welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week on The Exchange, we have Dasha Rush. For over a decade, the Russian artist has been at the forefront of techno, but there is and always has been much more to her work than you might hear on the dance floor. In recent years, she's been busy with interdisciplinary projects that present a much grander vision than can be contained on a techno record, even while finding time to produce and perform in club contexts too. So when she came by RA's Berlin office last week, I was curious to find out more about the sound design, digital media, and choreography behind these larger scale works, as well as the realities facing musicians straddling the line between art and the dance floor. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Dasha Rush is up next. What you do with in three words or something you'd say maybe experimental techno artist obviously that's not a totally accurate description but i guess what's different these days is that you put a lot of time and energy into like installation slash interdisciplinary work and i guess you did one of these very recently last week in fact at ctm can you just like set the scene of what that piece was for us well, the one we did at CTM is called Territoire Ephemere. Le Territoire Ephemere was a French, which is like in English is ephemeral territories. Um, well, it's like multidisciplinary piece that involve puto dancing, modern dancing, uh, well, audiovisual aspect. Actually, the you know the 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 projection on a moving object, which is the body, which is the dancer, actually, and you know then the screen parts, you know, the visual parts and obviously the music. So all these elements are kind of connected. It has a story and we talk about uh, memory, inconsistence of a memory, you know, fragile parts, like anything that ephemeral and but that still, const- uh, you know, construct your um, identity somehow, or like, you know, personality or so on. It was based on the memories, based on an information, which, you know, like I, I um, express as a friction, uh, where the dancer would actually fight with the flow, fight or dance with the flow of information, but like, you know, in a, in on the screen captured real time and so on. So the, the, like the flow of information <laughs> expressing the particles and, you know, it's like, sort of, you know, abstract philosophical piece, I would say, uh, yeah, about memory, friction, information, and then that nothing, well, the last part is called Nothing is Addressed, which is more theatrical and has involved dance performance and, and um, 
yeah, it's more like improvisational part. So every time we perform, it's a little bit different. It has like the space to improvise. Uh, I mean, based on the, on the inner scenario, of course. But yeah, so yeah, it's you know, it's just a mix of disciplines that you know make one piece together. I don't know. Yeah. So we always knew that you were a musician, of course, but. Mm-hmm. How did you acquire the skills to be able to work with something like choreography or you're talking about like visual mapping and things like that? Are those things something that you think about in your head while conceiving the piece or is it about like collaboration and working with people who are like experts in those fields? Uh, Well, no, actually every piece is conceived and written. I encounter when I was uh, living in Paris, well, you, you, you mentioned that 10 years ago you could actually like put me in a case of electronic but not really because I was still doing things and uh, uh, and and collaborations with you know small theaters or small dancers or painters and it was kind of very vivid scene in Paris which we would just meet up and I mean it was more like an amateur level let's say I mean I still amateur but you know in amateur level like it would happen in squats and free performances and sometimes in museums too like Palais Tokyo but um, yeah so it's not that I came to it I was always doing that but it's just at some point uh, let's say like the techno aspect, the club, the dance music took it over like the, the you know, the larger amount of time in my occupation. But then I just, yeah, I just felt like I want to go back to that or something. So in terms of working, it's always, you know, the piece is conceived, you know, by just sitting there writing, thinking and, you know, okay, inspired by, you know, whatever, some some other external information I would see like um, a piece of Dutch choreographer, I can't, I can't remember. She She's active since the 70s. I can't remember her name. She's got a very, very long, complicated name. But like I would see the piece uh, based on... Um, on uh, Steve Reich music and I was like oh wow you know I want to do something similar it, it's also possible but uh, in terms of technical aspect uh, so I would write the piece for example I would make a scenario what I would like to be and then uh, you know I work with Stanislav Glazov who is a visual artist so I would just you know we would just gather together and I would say okay uh, how do I do this or how do I want so I got help obviously from you know like a visual aspect technically so Stanislav would based on the scenario would try to let's say produce the visual aspect of the piece you know but it's yeah something like that and in terms of choreography I mean it's just I think it's an intuitive process I can't really like you know I was dancing when I was small but it has nothing to do with you know it's just something that I'd like to explore so I just go for it basically it's it's not really a thoughtful process. It's just, yeah. So this, so it involve a lot of communication with a, with the dancer or something like this. Yeah. I just wonder, like, how do you like, communicate? How do you yeah. communicate, like, what you want to someone like that? Well, I explain. I have a scenario, so I I have a written piece, like the written scenario. So that that would be that part, and then I would just, you know, and then of course the dancer could bring the ideas so we could exchange something, but then there is a particular, you know, like I would say, I don't do the choreography of the dancer, but I do the scenography, how it should look like, or how, you know, where will he place, and what's the movement, and what is it about, and then he would work on it, on a subject, like let's say, okay, the first part of the performance, if we're talking about ephemeral 
territories, uh, it's about the memory. So the first part is basically, um, how can I say, incorporate child where you just have a pure image of yourself and then you you would be like you know he would just go for you know like let's say expressing the child in the movement position and then the memory would evolve so you have imprints well the idea imprints of on the body which we project it's the patterns that you accumulate the information from outside and then you would evolve so you would evolve so you know let's say physically you would stand up or you would you know like that's that's the whole process of discussion mm. so it's yeah it's um let's say i visualize the music i visualize somehow how it should look like but then you know it's it's really hard to explain actual process because it involves talking discussions involve but to the particular subject like i would say how would you express a friction with your movement and then he goes for it and then we change something and you know so yeah something like that were you happy with how it turned out the ctm performance went really really well the one before was okay and <laughs> the one before was great so we have like you know what each time is yeah but i'm never to be honest i'm never happy i think the perfectionism maybe <laughs> that is always something that i want to change or something that i want to make it better it's just the you know the, <laughs> the the way i work you know but um yeah it went really well like this one i would say it went well yeah the ctm one you mentioned before that you were doing this sort of work in Paris before, you know, people knew of you as the techno artist, however accurate or inaccurate that is. Yeah. That sounded like quite a interesting situation, dancers working with musicians in kind of like a informal but yeah. interesting way. Can you just like expand on that context a little bit? Because, I mean, I didn't I didn't know that. It almost made it sound like that club music pulled you away from from something yeah, I mean, like the you know the perception. Uh, what do you do actually? You know, something that is more exposed of you. I don't know, maybe because of the records, and something maybe because uh, it's just happened that way that that part was more exposed. So it's just you know how the information go and perception. But uh, I mean, I'm sure there is a lot of artists doing other things than you know just. Uh, but like in my time in Paris, it just had, it's just, it was just a community of people, you know, from uh, different art, f different arts, you know, somebody would study painting, somebody would dance, somebody would do theater, some, like, I even did the tour with a jog, what is it called, jug juggling, mm -hmm. juggling, juggling, yeah, it was a circus, so it was like a con contemporary circus, you know, we would do, uh, like, with a um, sculpt sculpture juggler and my music so we would do like a trio trio that we would just do performances in france i mean it's kind of local but how would it work i mean it's just i think it was like very uh, romantic spontaneous time where we just we didn't plan anything it was just happening you know we would just gather together and s come up with some idea and then we would just do it and then yeah it was very I say it was non-professional, non-organized times, but constantly. And there was a lot of, you know, people who, you know, the lot of platforms, there were a lot of squats at the time. So the space, I mean, I'm not talking about squats, like there was more like, I don't know, how could I call artist squats? Mm -hmm. It was like ateliers, but they were all occupied illegally. So it's like art squats or whatever you can, you can call it. So 
each artist would have their space, Atelier would do something, you know, you would come to the squad, would have coffee or, you know, dinner or something. And then, you know, we would just discuss whatever ideas and then something would come up. It was very spontaneous. We didn't really plan. But then there was <clears throat> also collaboration, which were, you know, like my some of my friends would do uh, a theater performance, contemporary theater, and then we'll come to Paris. They're like, yeah, we're looking for someone to do music. Do you want to do music? We're like, yeah, sure. You know, and we would just do the show. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was very, I, I don't know. It was no press, nothing. It was just there and people would come and it was like, you know, word by word or flyers or, you know, it was just different time. <laughs> I don't know, different way of organizing things. And it was way more spontaneous, I think. Yeah. And it's just because of that rich community, we would just interact between each other. And I think that was happening. And yeah. But then I kind of get focused on techno for some reason, maybe because I moved to Berlin. <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this stuff has been in the back of your mind that whole time. But was there a certain point that you could identify where you thought, I need to really start doing this sort of thing again? I just needed it for myself. I felt maybe... I don't know if it's a nice thing to say or not, but like I felt I don't have enough air in club music. Like air, I mean, uh, a space to express, a space to to improvise, to collaborate, to I don't know, to some just explore some new territories or not even new, just something that I like. And you know, like if you do something, it doesn't mean that you have to stop there. And it kind of, I just needed some air. I don't know if it's clear as an expression some air to breathe and so yeah I kind of just felt like yeah I, I need more than than just you know like club music uh, I, I still love it I still love techno I still love playing in the clubs but I need some sort of balance and I, I mean it's always been there it's just like the periods would would be different sometimes I would focus on this sometimes on that and just yeah for my own it's an internal process it's not that I decided to become I just it's just yeah it's just there and I just needed it for my personal I don't know development or something for my personal being yeah and when did you start working with Stanislav then uh we start working at 2013 um actually I was preparing this project called Antarctic Tact uh, for the eight one, uh, it was two thousand fourteen. Sorry, uh, yeah. So two thousand fourteen, I was preparing this project. I had this idea. Uh, it was for a tunnel, and idea for the craft rig. I actually wanted to freeze the columns and the architectural space. So the idea was actually, I was looking for the visual artists because obviously, in terms of uh, technical visuals, you know, I wouldn't have time to realize myself plus the music and I, I didn't I think I don't have enough uh, let's say technical knowledge in the vi visual visual specter so I would prefer someone else do it even um, so I was looking for an artist I could collaborate and then yes you know through the research Stanislav came into the you know radar and so we met and the idea was uh, basically a, a mapping 
on the architectural space and the columns. So I wanted to freeze the columns and then the eyes, you know, basically freeze, freeze the craft rack. <laughs> but unfortunately, the festival, uh, first it was like, yeah, great, we do it. But unfortunately, the festival couldn't find enough funding for, you know, because the projectors, like they need, you need at least six projectors, very powerful projectors. So they couldn't find the funding for six. So we had to reduce to the screen version and um, which was fine. But I mean, it was not exactly the idea but somehow yeah it just went on and on and then now we are at the you know full dome 360 degrees antarctic duck version so it's still yeah it's still alive the project but it was actually meant to be just one time show for Kraftwerk specifically but somehow yeah yeah went, and that's how i met stanislav yeah, right. yeah this experience sounds like something which must happen all the time with this sort of thing where you have ideas and then the practical um, logistics which go into having to execute them yeah. are you almost can't discover it until it's happening or, you know, someone says, oh, we don't have budget for this or we don't have budget for that. Because f- specifically for Antarctic Tact, you've like spent the the next few years after that trying to get it closer to what you had yeah. um, in mind originally. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about the different stages that it's gone through and... All right. Um, so the Antarctic tech went through the different stages, obviously, you know, like, as I told, it was one time specific project, then due to technical, it didn't work out. So we reduced the screen version, but somehow it resonates. So we've been invited to further festivals like Mutech, uh, also for the screen version, but you know, like it was not satisfying. It was just not satisfying. That's not what I, exactly what I wanted to do. And then, um, I mean, slowly we did like few shows, you know, in uh, I don't know, in Peru and like all over the place. For some reason, it's just resonate. People wanted the, to see the screen version. I was like, why do they all want to see the screen version? It's just it has to go further. But somehow, at some point, we would just. I mean, it's hard to like put it in short, you, we would discuss and try things and, you know, like I was constantly talking, no, I still want to do, you know, progress. Like first we did just a panoramic version in a Alexandrin, Alexandrinsky theater, which is like one of the most important theater in St. Petersburg. And then, uh, yeah, it was like slowly progressing. And then, you know, the idea would be actually the next step we would do a VR version, like where you people just you actually walk on those things. And uh, so, I mean, technically it didn't change much. It's just the, the surface changed, the projection changed. So we really can explore, you know, like the, 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 the whole dome, the 360. So you could be really enveloped. You can be under the eyes or above the eyes. But I mean, also the performance evolved. We build, like in short, we build an Antarctic continent from the molecule of water. Mm. Like, and then, you know, it develops, becoming ice, structure of ice, freeze, so on, so on, you know, expand and become a really ice continent. And then, you know, you travel through a little bit and go to. <laughs> but also, yeah, in terms of scenario, it's still the same. But like technically, we just adapt to surfaces and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, so from the small screen version to the full dome and yeah, VR, we'll see maybe soon. I don't know. It's hard to put an exact number on it or something, but how much time and effort goes into like, say, just each specific instance of just this one project? All the time. <laughs> like, I have no minute to sleep. No, it's a joke, but um, I can't really measure like time in hours or days. It's just a constant work. 
you know, you, you never stop. You just do things and then, oh, you have another idea. Maybe we should change that. Maybe the molecule of water would change the color or, you know, the specific structure. We constantly discuss. And so the next performance we do, we're back to the screen version, which is funny uh, because I guess the it's a Centre Botan, it's called in, in uh, Santander in Spain, but they can't. Uh, actually make the full, you know, the 360 degrees. So we just go back to string version, but they still want to do it. But like, it's a constant process. You just, I mean, in terms of hours, I can't tell you how many hours, many hours. But like, it's between the projects, between the FMR, between the Antarctic Tag, Antarctic Tag, the Dark Hearts of Space, it's just, you know, one day you would work on that, and next day you would work on that, and then I would do a techno EP. So it's like a Almost a you know a lifestyle every day you just do things in yeah you're just constantly busy, mm. but it's fun, it's fun. Yeah, because I think I think people who someone who's like more into dance music or whatever they might have, say like a young producer or something might have an idea of like an intuitive idea of how to put a record out or something like yeah. that or how to move forward in their career in some yeah. way or something, but when it comes to something like I want to be a installation artist. Mm. I don't think people would have as much of an easy idea of like, oh, how do I even begin to start doing something like mm, this? That's interesting. Well, I never asked that question to myself, how I would do this. I mean, I did, but in, not in, like, I don't know. You just do things. But I mean, yeah, in yeah. terms of physically being able to get into a position where you're able to do the ideas that you want to do mm. in terms of working with different arts organizations yeah. and yeah. cultural bodies and stuff like that, yeah. what was like breaking the ice with that sort of world like i mean i can't say that i'm like you know a lot in a institutional academic art i mean there is always institutions involved but i think you know to be honest that also um let's say a, a techno scene like in festivals it's also start mixing more and more with different sort of platforms you know especially visual audiovisual like left festival mutech festival it's not really like an institutional you know museum story it's it's, it's a mix mixture of things there are different type of artists you know there is also a focus on audiovisual there's a but like in terms of breaking through this door or going through the door, I, I i mean I don't even know specific of it. Like I, I never thought about it. I just did things, and you know, probably I would propose. You know, of course, there are people working with me, like my agent. You know, like Ludovica, or you know, people who support and try to find the context. But um, somehow it just comes. Like I don't feel like forcing. Of course, I'm searching for certain things and uh, meeting some people. But I can't say that there is a big effort of finding the space or I think there are uh, festivals that are pretty open to project and if you propose something you know verbally or written or somehow you know if they know you a little bit your your activity maybe they trust you on words but then if you're new or maybe you just put down the project written project and they like it and they just invite you it's not so complicated I don't think so I don't feel like I need to struggle to a certain degree, yes, but like to Dark Hearts of Space for the installation version, it's just the production costs so much money that I don't have that money. You know, we need to find an institution that would, you know, get fundings from the institutional part or from the commercial sponsor. I don't know. Like in terms of Dark Hearts of Space performance, yes, it's a theater version, so it's adapted to a theater, but the like the big scale installation that I planned, it didn't happen yet. 
you know, there were several um, institutional or semi-institutional uh, platforms that were interested, but after the calculation, just nobody can afford. Mm. Um, so yeah, there are there are obstacles. Obviously, if if your project is you know expensive in terms of you know production costs, but then in terms of like just open up and present your project and and you know they like it or they don't but there's always a space i i think if you you know look for it somehow without i don't know it's it's actually I, i'm not right place to talk about it. it's i just never think about it i just do the project and then you know or i can be also specific site inspired like craftwork how Honda antarctic tag form it was specific site inspired so i just felt like i would like to freeze the space and you know it comes from the idea you know and of course you know, then we may I made it to a sort of scenario, but yeah. So, how often would you have a finished concept before you have a place to realize it, or how often is it that you get offered something and you're like, "Oh, I need to make a project that would fit this"? Or, well, it's not that I made hundred projects yet, so I can't speak like that way. Like how often? Uh, mostly, uh, the idea is kind um, is kind of almost solid I would say the idea itself and partially is written but then like for example I just give a concrete example maybe it's easier so in terms of dark hearts of space I was conceiving the project I wanted to do you know a piece about black holes I really wanted to do and it's actually music inspired and then I would visualize what I thought musically and so on but I didn't really have let's say, platform, and it just came. Um, the curator of Mutech, Patti Schmidt, she would propose to go to the Banff Center. There is a big residence in Canada. So she invited me to um, to be a mentor, to do sort of, you know, mentoring. Uh, you know, they would have a residency for electronic artists the first time. So she would just invite to participate. And then she would ask, yeah, what are you working on? And I'm like, oh, I'd like to do this Dark Hearts of Space. I don't know where I should yet. You know, I was just in. And that's how it happened. She's like, yeah, here's a space. Here's a space. They can, you know, they can provide you with the space, projectors. So they literally gave us the whole theater to just work. And I mean, that's art centers is what are they, what are they for? They provide you space and, you know, time and possibility to work on the project. So it just came together and probably would take longer, uh, you know, if party wouldn't be there uh, with this proposal, but then, yeah, it would, it would just happen. I don't know. Mm. But the project was already uh, like, so in the internal process, the project was already somehow conceived, but it was I needed a space to try. So the moment you start trying out, and so I invite Stanislav, of course, we do it again, but the different project. So we would sit there and elaborate how it would look like, how it would sound like. So in that process, when we actually try, it would change, obviously. So, but the idea, the theoretical idea, the, the theoretical scenario or something would be there already. So. You, I think you have to have an idea first to actually find the, the space or the what you actually want to try or realize. So, Because I imagine there's only so much preparation you can do anyway when you're working in these specific locations. And yeah. you might get to the space and have to like change all these things, change all these ideas you have. How often do you have to you know go back to the drawing board or something when you're trying to actually realize one of these works? 
it happens. Sometimes you try out something and then you go, oh no, it looks terrible or it sounds terrible or yeah. And then you have to reconceive everything, not everything, but partially. So yeah, it does happen, but it's the part of creative process. You're just there to work on it. You, you're there to try. And then if it doesn't look right, then you just do it again and again and again. And, you know, if you have a space for it, it's amazing. If you don't, you do it in a small space. You know, we do it sometimes testing stuff in our little studios, in audio studios, and we have like a little corner where, you know, we test the video with the shitty, I don't know if you can say this, with very bad projector. And so, but, you know, the idea is there, you elaborate them. And then when you have a bigger space or, you know, better technical uh, environment and you know you try a different way and then you can see all the mistakes or you know so it's it's continuous process and even if the performance is ready and you do the premiere and you look at the performance you're like no why did I do that and not that and so sort of so it's constantly evolving and little things change and becoming better and you know it's like lifetime lifetime process I think well at least for me I don't know I think nev my projects are never finished till the end. <laughs> just learn and like, change every time. You just run out of time eventually. Yeah, well, I think I'll finish when I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> this might be an amazingly boring question, but I'm... Oh, wow. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm interested in, like, how do you... Are you the one who has to figure out the budget for your I ideas? Like, how, how would you even go about figuring out how much it would cost to do any of these things? Um, technically, you make a research... And then you also, when you propose project, then the production part, like the festival or something, they would check. We say, we need, you know, you send a technical writer and you say, okay, we need six projectors, that type of projectors, that type of lenses, I don't know, the uh, whatever screen, that size, you know. So you have technical requi requirements that you define, you know, well, based on your knowledge and research and whatever tests so and then the production which is the festival they say okay well this would cost us that and so we can afford or we cannot and so on so on so that's uh, for the part who invites to figure out how much it costs for them basically to provide something uh, yeah but uh, of course, obviously, we can, you know, we know approximately, like, as I mentioned, Dark Hearts of Space had a, have really high projection costs due to the rental price of the projector in general in Europe. Like, in Russia, it would cost more exp less expensive than in Europe because, for some reason, the 30,000 limit projector costs enormous amount of money here. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the definition of the cost, it comes with, yeah, also with the um, fact when, when it was the moment where you're trying to do a show or, you know, expose the installation. So you, you can, but you can calculate approximate budget in, uh, if it's based on the technical aspects. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Would you say that Ant Antarctic Tact was like your first official one of these works? Audiovisual, yeah, we can say that. So yeah. what was, was there any sort of learning curve when you were thinking i want to go get back into doing this sort of thing again did you start doing it and be like oh i have to learn this i have to learn that yeah i mean uh first i wanted to realize on my own but then i realized that i just don't have enough time to gather for example that knowledge that I think I assume should be there <laughs> to to produce stuff but um and also yeah, I mean, you, you learn things constantly. When you have an idea and you need to know how to realize it, you, you're doing a research. You're doing, uh, you know, you're just 
surfing the internet or reading books and like just like right how do i do that what would be you know you learn about colors projection you know like, like i'm not gonna give all the lists it's basically whatever it is uh like recently I, when i did the installation for <laughs> for rastalabber i kind of had to relearn some things about electricity because you know it was an electromechanical installation so something that i learned at school i already forgot because i just never used in practice so i was like okay how do i do this how do i do the motor how do i do this so but you just go for it you just learn it yeah it's mostly a technical aspect you you gather knowledge on technical aspect how would you realize technically this and that and that but i think in any process you know when you do music you get your new synthesizer and you you have to learn how it works even if you know the basics but still you still have to learn the specific gear specific stuff or light specific stuff or projector specific stuff and then when i work is done i had no idea about lenses for example i mean briefly yes i know that there's wide lens i know that there's you know certain but then there are so many lenses i learned it's all new for me you know so it's in the process you learn you learn a lot yeah and i think collaborations is also great because you exchange knowledge you exchange uh, you know a lot of information that you know you just yeah becoming more mature and things yeah it's interesting yeah with the the concept side of it each of the works that you've done have like concepts behind them obviously are these something that come to on an intuitive subconscious level mm-hmm. or have there been like specific stimuli where you're like oh i'm going to make an idea about black holes hard question obviously you know where do ideas come from but you know yeah eternal question where do ideas come from where the inspiration come from to be honest i don't exactly know how that works in my head i do know what i do know that anything can trigger it so it could be an external source where i would watch the movie and then it would bring me to a thought or something so in terms of antarctic tech let's say yeah i would you know i would just i get so frustrated from the world at some point of my life some moments i just felt the weltschmerzen what is in german weltschmerz so i wanted to escape long story short so the antarctic come the, the antarctic talk come with like from the site specific i would you know i would freeze something just freeze but also it's a rejection so i was tired of people i was tired of things i was tired of i wanted to escape i didn't want to kill myself obviously but where would i stop the thought progress where would i escape well where are no people okay siberia antarctica maybe or arctic pole so i chose antarctica and i was just curious and i started reading about antarctica you know that, that's how but it's hard to explain like when i talk about it it sounds a bit silly but then it was just thoughts you know that would progress and then i was saying oh no 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 and then side specific i would freeze freeze the wall freeze and whatever it's it's all mixture it's hard to make a logical line from it but somehow it's just some thoughts that triggers something and then i would see a terrible movie that would just you know i would just start hating the world or something or i would see the news about i don't know israeli palestinian conflict and then i was just like okay well that's has to start. so because you know and then the intro of antarctic tag for example is actually screening you know whatever second world war <laughs> horrors and i would make a speech it was a, it, it was a statement and then we go to the beautiful continent but yeah so it can be triggered 
you know, from anything. And then something beautiful I would see and then inspiring me. Black holes was just like, I'm just fascinated with black holes and the space and physics and it's, it's general interest. So, and then I would connect it to music, the physicality of sound, and then I wanted to work with silence. I was like, oh, how do you post silence in the composition in a dance track? Impossible. There is, if there is a silence more than 10 seconds, you know, the dance track would, everybody would like, what, what's going on? The sound is breaking or, you know, so, sort of thing. So, challenges of composition, silence, silence. How do I visualize silence? Silence, okay, nothing, black holes, you know, so it's it's like a... Yeah, in brief, I don't know, like, it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain, but it's, yeah, it's just thinking process, like you just... So how does this all balance or not with DJing and dance music and stuff like this? I mean, I love DJing, I love dance music, but as I told you, for me, it's just the field is too narrow. Well, that's what I think personally for me. How does it balance? I mean, I think... The, the dance culture, I mean, techno club culture, uh, you know, something more entitled to entertainment, more like a little bit less intellectual, just more emotional, physical, just like let it go thing. So it's also necessary, you know, to, yeah, like you can't sit there and think all the time about the horrors of the world or about black holes. Sometimes you just want to liberate some sort of. Yeah, physical, emotional liberation. And I think dance culture is a lot related to that. When, you know, people dance, especially rave culture, you just, you know, go mad and you don't want to think. You don't want to... You do want to feel still, but, like, it's just an um, kind of emotional organism where I, I say it's not intellectual, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a, you know... Yeah, less thoughtful maybe, but, you know, more spontaneous more physical animal beautiful in a sense like just liberating so yeah in my balance of thing where i, I like heady things well to me they heady you know evolve and sing and discover and try things and dance culture is just more like purist emotional thing to me and i think it's yeah it's important too where you just i don't know energy some sort of energy wise you just connect with people when there is one organism on the dance floor where I mean everybody's connected to kind of the same track or environment that's also beautiful and amazing but it has no explanation it has no it's just a moment yeah yeah community people just gather together regardless you know social status regardless this this this, this. just nobody cares at the, at the end of the day they just dance it's great what about yeah. in the sense of like your day-to-day -day life or your ability to live for however many years into the future doing doing this? Like, do you have to do a certain amount of DJing so that you can do the installation work that you want to do and things like this? Or I mean, hearing is a profession. Like, yeah, it's source of my income as well, DJing. You know, it's, it's a job as well. As long as, I mean, I love the job as a passion too, but there is also um, a regular aspect of everyday life where I also do... You know, it's a source of income, so it's a, it's work, and sometimes it's less great and romantic than it might look like, because the the every day of touring artists is not so fun, not always fun. I mean, it's beautiful when you actually play the music the moment that you leave, but the whole airport lack of sleep, it affects your health. You know, there there are there are a price to pay for it too. So 
Are you happy with the balance between the two that you have now? Yeah, some moments I am, and some moments no. It depends on you know, like I'm, I'm just. I'm alive, so sometimes I'm happy with what I do, and sometimes not. And some people would say, "Yeah, well, you, you know, you privilege, you do what you love," and you know, and I realize that. But some sometimes you just, you know, you just want something else, and sometimes, yeah. But generally, yes, I'm happy, and I still want to do more things, <laughs> more things. Just yeah, experience more things, yeah, more performances, and I don't know. Still want love to DJing, but yeah. We've still got a lot of time ahead of you, luckily. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> we never know. So, how different is the composition process regarding music from what you're doing for these interdisciplinary works versus if you're sitting down to make like a techno track or something? Is it the same? Are you sitting down in the same workstation, working with the same tools, or is it a completely different process? Um, I mean, in terms of music, yes, it's still the same tools and the same studio position, similar. Uh, but I mean, in the in the process of like making a little scenario for the project, no, I'm not sitting in the studio. I can lay in the bed or I can sit on the floor. I mean, it's not there is no space specific. I can be outside drinking coffee and writing something or picking my nose and thinking. But uh, in terms of actual production, musical production, yeah, it's still the same. Techno. I mean, I have my space ship <laughs> with all the equipment well what I call a spaceship because it's like a curve with all the and um, yeah I mean I just use similar tools to techno or you know not not exactly the same but yeah and then there's a similar process yes I go to my studio and I do things and I compose whatever try out sounds and make sounds and you know but in terms of thinking like conceptualizing no I don't have to be in the studio I can be anywhere I don't know how significant this is, but the your curatorial work with 4D sound? Yeah, we can talk about it, but it's very simple. I just help. Uh, first, we met uh, with 4D guys. Uh, I, I was invited as a guest to perform in Amsterdam. Uh, I think the event called Techno in Space. And then we met and we just had, you know, conversation and somehow <clears throat> established certain, you know, curious relationship about sound the system and I'm curious about it and then yeah they they just asked me to join the curatorial board which would help them to select applications for the 4D special institute in Budapest so I I participate for like two years uh, unfortunately now I don't have much time to do because I just do my own things <laughs> and um, yeah but yeah we still you know, we're still in contact, but yeah. What's the like having to get to grips with composing for however many dimensions? Four is it? Four dimensions? But like, how many speakers are there in 26. the array? So, if someone who's never done this before, mm -hmm. what what are they confronted with in terms of arranging their music to work in this way, which is completely different to stereo, obviously? Yeah, it's very different. Uh, I mean, I think theoretically. Theoretically, if you've never done it before, it's hard to understand how you actually, let's say, put sounds in space and how you move them through space. So the the idea of the of the system is that you can actually uh, control sounds and the movement and change interchange in a position in the space. So you have let's say a cube or rectangle, yeah, and you have a certain spot. So you have like one sound on the left. So speaker number one and another one speaker number let's say 15 that 26 mm -hmm. so 
and you would just move. So to understand this, you really have to try it. And I mean, it's not difficult. You can apply to the residency. There is a lot of space. People who are interested, they can always apply and try it out. And um, then the, the, the whole composition, the whole perception of sound and the, the way you relate to your own music changes completely. So you have to adapt to speaker specific. You have to adapt to the space specific. You have to adapt something that is not central. Imagine if you have <laughs> orange that's centered in the room. So you know that there's orange and you perceive that. But then if you take a lot of little particles from the orange, you know, they, they, let's say grains or whatever, how they go, the pulp, and put it in... The, well, it's a strange, strange metaphor, but anyway, I'll continue, I'll try. Put it in the every corner of the room and every space you would have to see a bigger picture to combine the orange together so you know you have to kind of pull back and see every you know so it's a little bit it's, i don't know why it's a strange metaphor but yeah um yeah so the perception of the orange changes you know and you really have to have a bigger picture of the sound so it's like you work with the little elements to combine a bigger picture and it's not centered it's not you know focus where you're just there you know it's not there the orange you have to really see every details understand where you put the details to still have the orange <laughs> actually the picture of the orange or you know as an object let's say a form um, there is a lot of um, artists were applying they were trying to create a geometrical forms mm. via sound so maybe that's better better example so you would you know create a hypercube which is impossible but still you know uh, yeah, I still want to have a hypercube also <laughs> one day I'll create a hypercube but um, let's say uh, let's simple geometrical for rectangle so you know you would compose that the sound would interact in a certain form and then inside the rectangle there would be a triangle mm -hmm. so there will be a sound or frequency that responds to that and then you just move the space like you know, like now I'm moving my hands. I don't know if it's actually in the recording. Yeah. It's clear enough. It's rotating. It's rotating, yeah. So it's a totally, totally different way of perceiving than just listening to the music. It's not only about the music. It's also about the sound and the sound in space. You know, not talking about, not talking about space, but space of the room or space, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, yeah, what can I say? Uh, orange. Uh, you have to see it from different perspective. <laughs> the orange metaphor was Yeah, well, very <laughs> it, just came, yeah, it just came to my mind. So it's, yeah. yeah. Just another techno-related question. Yeah. I think you put out, you were at least putting out records in that sort of style, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something at that point. I don't want to say words like the scene or underground or overground or anything like that, but obviously a lot has changed. I'm sure from where you're sitting, it's quite different, like 2006 versus 2018. Is there anything in particular about the way things have gone which is sticks out to you as particularly significant over that time or anything like this? I think there are, first of all, it's less monopolized in terms of there are a lot of new artists. That's great, like very independent very self-sufficient yeah there are a lot of new people and uh, constantly discovering like with CTM it was like well I don't know all these people where did they come from and you know and also um, is expanding 
uh, to other territories. Like I never heard some artists from Uganda before playing. Well, let's say electronic music, not techno, techno, but you know, not puristic techno, but you know, still related to. It. So it's expanding a lot. There is a lot of um, artists. This is great compared to 2006, and compared to, to whatever uh, year before. But then the negative side, <laughs> I think. It became way too business, uh, way too money orientated because people that I mean there are two different type of people like people who are doing it for doing it and there are people who see that oh that's there is some life in there let's make a profit out of it so there are a lot of uh, and I mean that's my impression you know it attracts that sort of people who are actually not really interested in the content or but more into the profit kind of side of it. And so on one hand, it became more business to me, like how I see it, even more than 2006. And um, I mean, it was always a uh, business in a sense, but somehow, or maybe it's just, uh, yeah. And um, sometimes it's good because artists can earn their, you know, their bread, their, their food you know, pay their bills with what they do. But on the other hand, it's oversaturated and certain fees and certain, like, the policies went just completely crazy, which is, I think, overblown. And that kills the, you know, the, the I think it kills the this beautiful innocence or beautiful, um, I don't know, spontaneity, creative part, and let's say, a romantic approach to it somehow that we do something beautiful there is a sense to it not just because we want to make fucking money and go for holiday for our life uh, which is okay in itself you know people like that okay but I think it's just I'm maybe overprotective from that I think it's great to make money to a certain degree but when you know the DJ fees rise like I don't know to crazy amount of money. How do you do this? How how would you sustain this if you know you just like it seems like someone wants to just grab all quickly as fast as possible before it's dead and go to the next. So that is a negative side. But the positive side is yeah, there's still a lot of possibility and a lot of new artists and the fact that technology went. Um, widely um, accessible there are a lot of people can do things just with the you know minimum of equipment great things and that's that's beautiful that's what i yeah like and since well 2006 it was already going but let's say a bit further away it was privileged you know expensive synthesizers this and this so not everybody can afford but now you just can buy you know ableton great do things or buy little things you know little synth and just create something that's that's absolutely great yeah because there are so many ideas so many young people and they just they don't have to be professional known anything and it's just like wow wow great idea like or great sound or whatever something something yeah so that's the different to me like progress from uh dreamy but elitist 90s still or the 2000s where was a lot of I think the minimal phase, I call it, like it was very fashion. I don't know. And then, yeah, now it's, I think, I think it's more diverse now mm. in, in, yeah, in short, it's more diverse now, music wise. And yeah. Is there anything in particular which is happening in the next like year or two years, which you're able to talk about 
at this point in terms of whether it's records or larger pieces you're putting together or is it is the future too misty to project I, into? Yeah, I mean, I have my projection ideas that I would like to do, but it doesn't mean that they will happen. Not Like the ideas not always come to an end and, you know, sometimes it's just... No, I mean, I can talk about current projects like... Um, I've been saying this for some time. We want to do a Lada album. It's mm. the project that the collaboration with Lars Himmeling. I mean, I've been saying this since 2012. <laughs> I mean, we still play time to time. We still perform. And we still have so much material, but we just can't put it together in album. Maybe, maybe because, you know, time schedule. I don't know. There's something. But we fixed that 2019 will do it. So let's see if that comes true, <laughs> becomes real. And yeah, and then of course the Dark Hearts of Space installation. Currently, we're talking to one of the um, curator of the Gamma Festival in Saint Petersburg. is a festival, so he's he already said that he found a location almost, and so he has an access to find something. Well, something that we need this super expensive projectors that. Uh, apparently, well, um, yeah, so there is a possibility that we realize it in two, uh, 2020, this installation. So 2019 will be like a preparation year, the installation. And then, yeah, we still tour the Antarctic duct and the figurative version Dark Hearts of Space. And I'd like to do a new album to, uh, well, I mean, I'm working on it, but slowly. I don't know how long that's going to take. The moment I feel like okay, well, I'm ready to let it go, then yeah, yeah, then it's ready. But I can't tell you like if it's landed this year or next year. Let's see. Thank you. 